Hello, church. Another Wednesday, and we're still working on getting back together, so keep praying for the deacons and myself and Brother Galen and the leadership of the church. Uh, hopefully, we will see you uh, this coming Sunday at our Easter outdoor service at 1030. We're going to be outdoors. Bring your own chairs. We're going to be on the parking lot behind the Christian Fellowship Hall. And we're going to have our Easter service and celebrate Resurrection Day. We're also going to uh, burn a note on the Christian Fellowship Hall. It's paid off now, so be aware to come celebrate with us. Uh, tonight I wanted to look at Acts chapter 6 and uh, look at Stephen and his witness on how to witness. Um, some of you think that's a little bit different, but what other job do we have after Easter and celebrating Easter other than telling people about the living Lord that we know, love, and serve. And so, I wanted to read some of Acts chapter 6, a large portion of it probably, and uh, look at how Stephen witnessed and gives us some clues on what we will experience when we try to be a witness. Uh, it says this, Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. And then the twelve summoned the multitudes of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the same pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. And the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Give us uh, insight and uh, courage on how to share our faith with others in this uh, world that's still sort of locked down, sort of not, with all the conflict. Uh, Lord, we, we know that you are the Prince of Peace, and so true peace comes from knowing Jesus, and so help us to share that with a lonely, hurting world. In Christ's name, amen. Now, basically... Uh, do we understand that, that we're all called to be witnesses for Jesus? All right? And uh, uh, we're all called to be witnesses for Jesus. And so Stephen was one of the first martyrs of the church, and he's also a great witness. And so what was Stephen like? The first thing that I see here is Stephen was, and point A would be this, Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit. It says that in Acts 6, verse 5, saying, Please, the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. See, Stephen uh, lived out his faith and depended on the Holy Spirit uh, to lead him, to guide him, to grow him, to direct him. He was full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And so the two go hand in hand. You have a lot of faith in Christ. You 
You read your Bible, you pray, and the Holy Spirit works in and through you, and you're full of the Holy Spirit, and, and that's a good description. It's, it's something for all of our leadership, whether it's a deacon or a pastor or another minister, uh, that the Holy Spirit should have sway and reign in their lives. But you need to understand that he was this and full of the Holy Spirit when he wasn't a deacon yet. He was this when he was a layman person. And so the same thing applies to us. Are we dependent on the Holy Spirit to guide our daily walk as a Christian? If not, something's obviously wrong. So Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit. Secondly, he was fearless in his witness. In Acts chapter 6, verse 10, uh, it says uh, this. I'm going to read verse 8 and 9 also. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. And then there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Sicilia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. In other words, they're arguing with Stephen. And obviously what they're arguing about is that question, you know, do you have to go through Judaism to be a Christian? Do you have to do all the works of Judaism and be a Christian? And uh, it says... Uh, they were disputing, they were arguing with him. And verse 10 says that they were not able to resist the wisdom uh, and the spirit by which he spoke. You see, he was fearless. He stood up to these people. They were dangerous. These were the folks who would persecute the church. These were some of the ones who had helped to put Jesus on the cross. Uh, these are some of the ones who, who adamantly opposed Christianity. And yet, he was fearless. The Spirit led him. The Spirit gave him wisdom. He was fearless in his witness. Whoever needed to hear the gospel was going to hear the gospel from Stephen. And sometimes, rather than being fearless, we're fearful when it comes time to witness. We're fearful of what people will think of us. We're fearful that we'll say the wrong thing. We're fearful that we'll go to the wrong person at the wrong time. We're fearful of being rejected. All right? All those things are fears that we have. But rather than being fearful, we should be fearless. And that comes from depending on the Holy Spirit. See, when the Spirit institutes a witnessing opportunity, we're under His direction. We're at His beck and call. We are doing what we're supposed to do. And therefore, fear should depart. All right? Now, the only fear I, I, I see the Bible commanding us to have is the fear of the Lord. And that's another sermon for another time uh, with the different blessings and the different commands to fear the Lord, to have a holy awe of our Savior. But other than that, we're instructed that perfect love driveth fear out. And when we're in love with Jesus, fear of witnessing goes by the wayside. Uh, when we're in love with Jesus and the Holy Spirit leads us, He gives us courage and fearlessness in witnessing. So which are we? Fearful or fearless? And the more experience we have with walking in the Spirit's power and being filled with the Spirit, the less fearful we are and the more fearless we become. And so Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was fearless in his witness. And in Acts 6.14, it says he was faithful in service. As you go down through here, it says that um, they were witnessing against him. He said, we've heard that 
him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the custom which Moses delivered to us. Okay, and so what he's doing, he's faithful in service, and he's faithful in service in that as he's ministering to these widows and the, 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 the fight that was getting ready to take place in the church between the Hellenistic widows and the Jewish widows. Now they're the same. Um, one spoke Aramaic, one spoke Greek. They're the same uh, race, but they're a different culture. Okay, One is more Greek-defined and more uh, worldly. One is more uh, naturally Jewish and follows the traditions a little more conservatively. Yet they were having a fight because... Uh, apparently what has happened is is that those who did the daily distribution of food would make sure all the the Jewish Hellenists or the Jewish widows were, were getting the food and the Hellenistic widows were getting the leftovers. If they ran out, they were the ones that ran out. And so he was faithful in services that they corrected the problem after they uh, started these guys working. said so the word of God spread and the number of the disciples greatly multiplied and a great many even of the priests were obedient to the faith. So he was faithful uh, in verse 7 uh, in his witness. All right? And then the last thing that I see about Stephen, he was forbearing in love. He was forbearing in love. If you keep on reading down through here, we get the whole sermon that he, that he preaches. And then in Acts chapter 7, verse 60, uh, it says these words. He's being stoned. And he's calling on the Lord, asking Jesus to receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Again, he died. So as he's being stoned, he followed the example of Jesus. As Jesus was dying, as he was being crucified, he looked down upon this hostile mob. And some scholars say that it could, could be as many as a thousand people on Mount Calvary shaking their fists at him, making fun of him, uh, blaspheming his precious name. And he looks down at all this hatred and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And Stephen, as the stones are pummeling him and he's crying out, Jesus, receive my spirit. He knows he's dying for his faith, for his witness. As he's dying, he's forbearing in love, and he says, Lord, do not lay this sin, their sin of murder, their sin of killing me, at their charge. So he died just as his Savior died, loving those who were killing him. Now, I don't know about you, but that, that is a testimony. That is a witness. I think that's why... That the young man that says they laid at his feet, their garments, they always had to have a, a witness who was sort of in charge who said this was justified. And they laid their feet at the witness of a young man named Saul of Tarsus. And Saul at first joins in after the stoning of Stephen and wrecks havoc in the church, hauling many off to jail, consenting to many's death. But then he was struck on the Damascus Road and converted to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, whether it was his dramatic sight of Jesus talking to him, or whether it was that he couldn't get away from Stephen's witness, Lord, don't lay this sin at their charge. I don't know. But I think that the watching Stephen die stuck with him even while he was rebelling and trying to get away from that image that this guy had enough faith 
in what he believed that he wouldn't even act hostile to those that were literally killing him. What a witness. So those are some of the things Stephen was. But what about, what did that include in his witness? Um, that would be point two. It includes his life. Again, in 6.8, it says, Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. He had such a faith in his Savior that Jesus was the Messiah. He had such a feeling of the Holy Spirit that he, he had great wonders and signs among the people. These wonders and signs did not exalt uh, Stephen. They exalted Jesus. That was the purpose of sign gifts in that day was for Jesus to be made much of. Okay, and whatever gifts we have, guess what? We make much of Jesus with them. They're not to draw glory to ourselves. They're not to exalt us. We're not worthy of exaltation, but He is worthy of all glory and honor and praise. And the gifts we use are to exalt Him and to draw glory to Him. And so the witness of His life was... All glory is due to Jesus. The signs and wonders that he did were to show folks that Jesus was alive. A witness. Then there's the witness of his laborings again in Acts 6 8 because he's doing all these great wonders and signs. And again, he's doing this as a lifestyle. It's not something that has the ordinary. It's not something that's fake. It's not something that what we call pharisaical or snooty. Look how spiritual I am. It's just the way he lived. And in his everyday life, these things were happening. And he was faithful to follow the Holy Spirit and witness. And as he's witnessing, sometimes he'll do a sign or a miracle. And the power of God rested upon him. And we should pray for the power of God to anoint us in special ways for witnessing, to bring glory and honor to the labor we do for the kingdom. See, I know a lot of very good, faithful Christians, especially Christian men, who don't want to be up in front of anybody. They don't want to teach a lesson or sing or preach or anything of that nature. They feel their service is to be behind the scenes. And they do things in our building, things on our grounds, things that you don't see to make everything pretty or make things work, to keep things functioning smoothly. And they're never at the forefront, but they're laboring in the back and the Holy Spirit is blessing their labors and blessing us through them. That was Stephen. It was a witness of his life. It was a witness of his labors that he served Jesus Christ. But in Acts 6.10, he had a witness of his learning. He'd been taught the Holy Scriptures. He'd been converted to Christianity. And he continued to study now because now it made sense. He could read his Old Testament and see Jesus fulfilling all these prophecies. Jesus was the subject that he had missed about the Messiah. And now he knew and his learning had expanded under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. It says in verse 10, And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Do we understand that, that it's not my argument that's going to win somebody to Christ? Because if I can argue them into it, somebody else can argue them out of it. It doesn't excuse me from knowing what I believe. But he so knew his scriptures that he could point to Jesus. His learning was holy learning. It was of the Word of God. It was under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, He'll teach you all things whatsoever I've commanded you, what things I've taught you. When we, when we study the good Word of God and put it into our hearts and our minds, the Holy Spirit uses that. 
The Holy Spirit has an affinity for minds and hearts that are prepared to serve. And one of the ways we prepare is by knowing what we believe and why we believe it. And it better be because it's the best interpretation of Scripture that we can come up with. And we do that not on our own because there's no private interpretation. We do it in community, a community of believers. And what God teaches me is going to be the same thing that He teaches Brother Galen. He teaches Brother Galen, He'll teach me. They may do it in different ways, and, and we may have different insights into how that's applicable. And we learn from one another that way. Iron sharpens iron, all right? And, and that's for men and women. Believers sharpen believers. But see, the learning is supposed to be a lifelong process. We're not to ever think we have arrived. We are not to think, oh, I've studied that before. I know everything there is to know. No, you don't. The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. When it's living and active, it's, it's, it's God-breathed. It's alive and the Holy Spirit takes it and, and shows us new ways to apply it or something that we've missed in the details of our study. And we grow. And He had a witness of learning. Not that, because he spent so much time with Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit had such an influence on his life. Because he was witnessing to others. He had witnessed by his looks. Now these false guys that are trying to, to damage Stephen, they can't argue with him, begin to bring up false testimony against him. They haul him to the council, the, the Sanhedrin, those Jews in authority, okay? And they set him before this group, this company. And verse 15 of chapter 6 says this, Then all who sat in the council looking steadfastly at his face saw his face as the face of an angel. Even his looks had a holy glow. Now, maybe before you became a Christian, you realized there was a difference in, that Christians look different. Not just in the way they dress, not just in their mannerisms or speaking different, but They'll have a little glow. When we're close to God, we have a little glow. It was like Moses going up on the mountain. Every time he spoke to God at the tent of meeting, he wore a veil over his face. At first, the veil was to keep from scaring people because he glowed from being, he reflected God's holiness. How else can I say it? And later he covered to show that the glow was disappearing. And Paul says that, that veil is still over the minds of the Jewish people to this day. But those who believed had that veil removed and we are supposed to reflect God's glory. There should be a peace, a love, a serenity that's winsome to people. There should be a joy that people want to have. Not a nastiness, not a negativeness, not a condescending look, not a, a, a critical look, a judgmental attitude. But the love of Christ so shine from us that we're the light of the world and we draw people to Jesus. That was Stephen. They looked at him and he had the face as they looked, the face of an angel. He glowed. There was an innocence there. He wasn't witnessing them out of hatred. He wanted them to be saved. He wasn't witnessing them because he thought he was better. He knew he wasn't, but he knew they needed Jesus or they would end up dying and going to hell. If we really believed that, that's what should happen to us. And so even his looks were a witness, but... The final thing was the witness of his love. We've already read that verse. As they're stoning him and he's asking Jesus in chapter 7, verse 60, to receive his soul. He says, and Lord, don't lay this sin at their charge. In other words, don't let this interfere 
uh, with your Holy Spirit, wooing them to you, with them coming to know you. Because earlier, even some of the priests, okay, who had helped to condemn Jesus on that Golgotha hill that were blaspheming his name and wagging their tongues and doing all that. They were coming to the faith because of the work of the apostles, because of the work of everyday Christians, because of the work of Stephen and his witness. Even the priests were getting saved and coming to Jesus in faith. So it was a witness of his love. Now, you see, we like all that witness to this point. And then somebody always tells me, yeah, but Brother Gary, he died, and I don't want to die. Not all of us will be called to be martyrs. I know that will relieve some of you. But if we are, we're to be willing. We're to love Jesus enough because Jesus said he would save his life will lose it, but he will lose it for my sake and the gospel's sake. will save it. I had another old preacher tell me one time. He said, Gary, you can't please everybody. He said, those that are going to say you're judging them or condemning them, if you do what they ask, they're going to call you a hypocrite. So which you want to be, a hypocrite or somebody who's doing his best to follow Jesus in love, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit? He said, your very actions will make you seem like you're condemning them, but you're not. You love them and you want to set the best example for them. And I fail at that. I'll be the first to admit that. But you see... That doesn't keep us from trying. It doesn't relieve us from being holy for he who has called us is holy. We have the holiness of Jesus in our hearts and upon our lives. And so the love of Jesus, he said it will be as spring springing up in our hearts as rivers of living water. Okay? If you've ever met somebody who's just bubbly and they're so much fun to be around because they always seem to be happy and, and there's that peace and joy... That's some of the fruit of the Holy Spirit and they're just effervescent with it. They just bubble over with it. That's a picture of what Christianity is supposed to look like in our day. In this negative, cold world, in this hostile place where people are just looking for hope, we have that hope living in us. His name is Jesus Christ. And we're shared. So what are the results for Stephen's life? I believe he had several crowns in his life. The Bible talks about the crowns of life. The first one, he had the, the victor's crown. And the victor's crown, I'm going to start with James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is a man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, in other words, he's passed the temptation or the tribulation or the trial, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love Him. The crown of life is the victor's crown. We've held fast to what we believe. James chapter, I mean Revelation chapter 2 verse 10 says the same thing. He says, Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. It's the victor's crown. It's the crown of life, eternal life. It's the crown that we have persevered. It's the crown of the proof of our salvation. We said what we believe. We lived what we believe. We held fast to Jesus no matter what the cost. We received the victor's crown. The crown of life. Very important crown to have. 
I believe Stephen received that. Then a few of us will receive the martyr's crown. I, I believe that Tim, or, uh, Stephen received the martyr's crown. The first scripture reference I have for that is 1 Corinthians 9, 25. Paul speaking about running the race and says, which one receives the, the prize? Of course, the one that wins it. He says, run in such a way that you may attain it. And in verse 25 he says, and everyone who competes for the prize is tempered in all things. Now they do to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown, one that does not fade away. Uh, one that if we go to the end and we are martyred, it'll be the martyr's crown. And then uh, in uh, 2 Timothy 4, 8, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there's laid for me the crown of righteousness. The crown of righteousness. The, he's getting ready to be executed. The martyr's crown which the Lord the righteous judge will give me on that day, and not to be only, but all who have loved his appearing. And then in Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, it specifically talks about it. And it says this in Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. And I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. See, this is out of that great tribulation. The saints come in and, and they're in white robes because they've been martyred for the cause of Christ. He says they're wearing white and they're blessed. Those that die for Christ never lose their blessing. Not one little speck of it. And then there's the soul winner's crown. Philippians 4.1 Speaks of that. In Philippians 4 1, the soul winner's crown. Therefore, my beloved and long for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast at the Lord beloved. These brethren were the ones that Paul had won to the Lord on his missionary trips in the different towns in the church of Philippi and Thessalonica. And he says, You're my joy, my crown, the soul winner's crown. Uh, Stephen uh, had influenced people to become Christians. He had been witnessing them. 1 Thessalonians 2.19 says, For what is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? For you are glory and joy. Again, those that are one to the Lord are the crown, the soul winner's crown. Um, the two men... Um, there, there's several that have so much influence on my life. My, my father-in-law, Bill Crease, pastored for 60 years, large churches. Uh, I know when he was in North Little Rock that for 10 years in a row, he baptized 50 people. All right? And then uh, Brother uh, William Filler, okay, about the same age, same kind of guy. Same thing with him. He, he pastored large churches, and when you look at his records, it, 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 they were soul winners. Okay. My Uncle Dick, who was a great influence, was a soul winner. My Uncle Irv served in a truck, truck stop ministry and, and, and witnessed all kinds of truckers, whether they were buying them showers or giving them hot food or whatever, they would have a service and they would witness to them. And so there's soul winners that receive soul winners' crowns. And do we want some souls to be saved so when we get to heaven we look at Jesus and say, I obeyed and I, I told people about you? See, I don't have to get them saved. The Holy Spirit does that. My job 
is to share Jesus with them, to share the word, the gospel with them. And for those that are very successful at it, there's a soul winner's crown. I think Stephen had that. And so Stephen shows us how to witness by being filled with the Spirit, by being fearless, by being faithful, by being forbearing in love. And then our lives are characterized by that as we share Jesus Christ. He became on Satan's hit list because he was successful at sharing Jesus. But if he could speak today out loud to us, he would say it's so worth it. It was so worth it. Is it worth it to us? Will we study enough of our scripture to know the gospel message and share it with others? Will we pray enough for others and be in tune with God's Holy Spirit, so when He opens the door, we step through with the good news of the Gospel. Not with the good news of our day, or our psycho-psycho babble, or, or uh, the sports news of the day, or how the hunting and fishing is. All those can be good things. They may be starters towards where we're to end up, but the end needs to be sharing the Gospel. With our lives, our minds, our hearts, our very souls, to be sold out to Jesus enough to say, I'm going to witness for you every opportunity you give to me. Will you make that commitment? I share this story because this Sunday's Easter, and after Easter, there's going to be just a small window of opportunity because people are going to celebrate Easter, and Easter means different things for different people. I understand that. But that question is still on adults' minds and kids' minds and young people's minds. What does Easter really mean, and is it really so? Did Jesus really die on the cross? Did he really raise from the dead? And the answer to both those questions is yes. Why did he do that? And we can tell them why. The good news of Jesus Christ. It's a natural lead and it's the easiest time to share other than Christmas because we speak of God's great love. He loved us enough at Christmas time to send his son. He loved us enough at Easter time that Jesus died on the cross in my place and yours and rose from the dead that we might have eternal life. Join me in praying to be faithful to Jesus as a witness. Have a good evening. That's it for tonight. I'll see you the next time.